Hey fellow fraud fighters, a big welcome to the Seon Cat and Mouse Show, where we'll look to get into the mindset, thinking and learnings of the hardest working group of heroes we know, the fraud fighting professional. And on alternative shows, we'll dive into the opposite world of current or ex-fraudsters to get a real insight into what's driving them to do what they do. And ultimately, we'll be trying to best work out Who's the real cat and mouse here? So a very big welcome to everyone for the Seon Cat and Mouse podcast. Today, we're really, really fortunate to have Stefania Bonna. Stefania is a data scientist product manager at Checkout.com. Stefania, very big welcome to you on the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me here. Brilliant. Uh, For those who don't know, as uh, as our audience, can you just share uh, who Checkout.com is in a sentence or two? Yeah, sure. Uh, Checkout.com, we're now, I believe, the most valuable startup that is not public yet in Europe. But what we do, we are a payment service provider and we make payments easier for our merchants that sign up with us. That's fantastic. And I'm sure everyone knows who Checkout.com is. (laughs) Um, So absolutely um, great to have you on the the show today. From my side, uh, I have a long history in payments, so I was very excited to connect with you. Um, And I love that Checkout's right at the very cutting edge of innovation and how they look at uh, their merchant base and Mm -hmm. and, uh, rolling out a lot of very cool services under your brand. So super cool to have you on. Other reason I'm excited for you to be on, uh, Stefania, is uh, even more fun. Uh, You spent time at uh, the same university as me, University of Edinburgh as well. That's correct. Now going down a little bit, you know, down memory lane seems a long time ago. Uh, But definitely I did study there and I studied cybercrime. That's awesome. That's awesome. You, yeah, you graduated not that long ago, but it was so cool to see <laughs> that Edinburgh Uni did a Master's of Science mm-hmm. in Cybercrime and International Law. Uh, yes. That's super cool. Uh, you're the first guest that's had that qualification on the show. Yeah, we were the first one actually where that, that started the program. It did not exist before. And when I was looking, okay, so what I should do after my bachelor degree, um, I really liked law, but then I was also a kind of a geeky person, started with gaming. And then, you know, I didn't think I could have make could have made a career out of it. And um, the reason why I chose Edinburgh Uni is exactly because there was cybercrime. So we did study inside out, like uh, how a cyber criminal thinks, what, how to deal with uh, cyber crime and then the legal aspects of it. Today, you're on the data science mm-hmm. side and you, you're on the product management side, but your real origins are as a fraud fighter mm-hmm. uh, starting operationally, um, I believe, as an analyst. Um, but yeah. let, let's go back into um, that kind of uh, decision to combine um, the cybercrime and law uh, there. Mm-hmm. Can you expand a bit upon that? It's an interesting, like how those two are twinned as well. Yeah, sure. So it was really funny because uh, just after out of uni, my mother being a very tough Italian mother was like, come back. There's there's place here in Italy. Or if you're going to stay there, cutting you off, you go out in the wild. So my first job was actually at Motorola as a customer service advisor working on like Androids on the technical side. And then one day I saw this uh, job ad that was advertising to be an analyst, a fraud investigation analyst. And the title was was so catching. And I was like, oh my God, like I did not realize that what I studied already could have been used 
in real life with real applications. So I went ahead and applied and um, I did land this job in one of the most famous uh, online retailers these days, starting exactly as a, an operational analyst and then working my way up into owning my own program around uh, gift vouchers and setting up fraud, uh, fraud detection programs across multiple business lines in Europe. And literally seeing risk from, from every size, from the buyer side, the merchant if you're selling online, and then also money laundering, KYC. So literally any, any aspect of fraud and risk that you can really think of. That's super cool. And let's go back into, uh, if you can recall, <laughs> so mm-hmm. takeaways back in that master science days with, yeah. with, uh, with that actual academia course on, um, mm-hmm. on cybercrime and uh, international law. What would you say are, are resounding takeaways that you still recall today that affects yeah. you know, how you view risk? Yeah, and definitely also being in this role within Checkout, but also before in these years in my career. One thing that I really made mine after uh, the master's degree was the mentality of thinking thief. You know, you always have to think ahead. So what what are cyber criminals going to do next? Are are our systems good enough? Are our policies good enough to stop crime and fraud? And you always have to think a step ahead. And then at the same time, and I've seen this uh, also with the pandemic, uh, with people like having more times in their hands, cybercrime is definitely a crime, but it's really hardly enforced. So what I've seen these days is that it's not only just thinking thief and trying to be a step ahead of the fraudsters, but you also find people committing crime because cybercrime has become a service. So if you want to, for example, carry out a denial service attack and would like to trial that out, there's someone online that sells you uh, that as a service. Or, for example, if you want to uh, buy a whole bunch of accounts and then try passwords and email combinations online, again, there's a service that you can use to do that. So definitely cybercrime is hardly enforced and then it has also become a service. For me, I would say thinking thief definitely and then can I, was, uh, can I yeah, sure, in there, sure, sure. on thinking thief mm-hmm. um really intrigued how was that kind of portrayed like uh like mm-hmm. educationally what, what what did they do to reinforce that as a concept yeah so it, it's funny because uh of course the course was new completely new so I really I really wonder how it looks like these days I would love to go there and listen to lectures like a few years later but we, we did study like criminology theories at the time. And one of the, which is still valid nowadays, one of the theory was, was called situational crime prevention. So for example, according to this theory, if, you, if there are some criminals committing crime at a specific time during the night, the street might not be very well lit up. Uh, situational crime prevention would say crime is opportunistic. These criminals are acting during the night. So in order to prevent crime, just put more lights in the street and that should help reduce crime. And some of these theories were trying to be applied in the cyber world. And what I argued in my dissertation at the time uh, with my supervisor is that this is not really the case for cyber crime because you can put bigger locks, so to say, and bigger hurdles, but it's um, the cyber criminal is not going to give up. They will always try to find a way around that obstacle to, to cheat and to have uh, and to gain an advantage. So I think that that's where it comes to 
the mentality of, okay, let's think thief and let's make sure that we plan ahead. Uh, we don't want fraudsters to go around our, our hurdles. And that's also what actually <laughs> keeps me up on my toes, why, why we have to uh, deploy models, for example, on a very regular basis, because fraud is always changing. So you really, really do need to be a step ahead to stop that. And do you also mean, uh, Stefania, when you talk mm -hmm. about this constant balance between security, friction, and usability or, um, you know, a magic experience, especially with what you, I guess, check out, right? It's um, yes. it's key, right, uh, to, to that. And especially with, you know, our regs in the EU with, you know, SCA, PSD2, mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff, 3DS 2.0 and yeah. how they treat uh, transactions. Is it, uh, when you said being aware of this, um, mm -hmm. sure, but do you think that your dissertation, when when you when you finished up the kind of concept, is it because in the cyber world as well, like it's not necessarily they keep attacking that one target. It's mm -hmm. they've got the whole world as their playground, yes. so they can just move on to a bazillion other uh, ones which haven't set the bar so high. Yeah, so it's definitely easier, and I think yeah, the world is your stage. You're absolutely right. There are so many ways to go undetected even you know coming from someone next door that might use a vpn to just watch netflix in the us like as simple as that there's so many ways to go undetected online that you know it makes it much easier to commit fraud and cybercrime you really touched upon a very a very interesting point so what, what where's the balance and how should we keep that balance as a business whether you're working, you know, yeah, as a business or for a product you're building, for example. That's very key because at least in my career, what I've seen, you will get an answer like what's that balance according to who you talk to. If you talk to Steph when she started as an analyst, she would have said, oh my God, no, we have to stop all fraud, like implement these rules, implement this model, we have to stop fraud. But then as I grew within my career, you understand that, you know, probably stopping all fraud, it's not it's not going to do great for, for the business in the sense that you don't want rules or models that are so very restrictive that 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 then you're not going to have conversion and you're not going to have you're not going to make money on. It's a really hard one to keep because you cannot go busted because of fraud, like the, the payments world is heavily regulated, but at the same time, you don't want to put too much friction to discourage your customers. It's always, okay, what's the balance and how we can use sometimes data to make sure that we have a very low touch frictionless experience, but at the same time, we don't incur in fraud. Of course, I don't have the magic wand, like, but it's always like, okay, let's try to find that balance. So we can at least try to make everyone happy, the, the product manager, the analyst, and even the CEO, so to say, so that we're going to still make money and we're going to be profitable as a company. I find it really interesting, also referring back to your dissertation, and one of mm -hmm. the findings you were, uh, you were concluding is the growth of a cybercrime or a crime as a service. Yes. Even you know a few years back then, but just now how, and you know in our fintech world, right, we talk about the growth of no-code, <laughs> and uh, and it's the same thing uh, is happening on uh, these entrepreneurial fraudsters end as well. There's no code, no skill needed. And these yeah. are, as we said, they're SaaS services. Just like in our world, we're a SaaS service and just like you are. Exactly. <laughs> You've got the same thing replicated. One thing that I did um, 
just you know always in that okay let's think deep let's let's try to be ahead of the curve i did take quite some time actually in december to try and understand what happened during the pandemic and what happened to fraud and um, the good news is that frauds for example have not become more complicated or more complex but there's definitely a ton more, which means it's good news because if the fraudster is, you know, not at the top end of their uh, capabilities, so to say, it's going to still be fairly easy to catch. But just the amount of fraud, it's, it's it definitely increased, I would say, even proportionally because, you know, everyone shifted to the online world, but you see people that you wouldn't expect, you know, committing cybercrime because, as you said, it became a software as a service pretty much. Yeah, and it, it, we've seen a lot of, it's been really sad um, as a result of, you know, many people losing work, yeah. obviously. And yeah. I, I get it, though, because it's this gray area of, you know, they, you know, someone sat at home, they're desperately looking for income, uh, employment, some way to, you know, pay for bills, pay for living. And, uh, you know, a lot of these kind of ads start off as a fairly grey area. And yes, yeah, so this is a wee bit of a slippery slope there um, to stuff that is quite frankly, yeah, uh, becomes fraud eventually. And it's really sad. No, exactly. And then it's coming to my mind, even kind of the, the abuse side of it that I look at it uh, during my career and my previous employer. So if you are like the average Joe, so to say, just, you know, just pay a small fee to just try and do account staffing, for example, what if you get the right account and password combination? You can go crazy, purchase stuff online, and not only have that return, but you can also go ahead and resell it. So kind of almost doing arbitrage there, it's double the damage, so to say. From the workshops and um, meetings that I've attended, it does seem that that's the case these days. These kind of cyber crimes have become just, they just received a boost thanks to the pandemic. As you know, we're, we're the Say on Cat and Mouse podcast, mm-hmm. and we always make sure um, to ask our guests at the very end. In the world of professional fraud fighter like yourself versus the fraudster out there, who do you think is like the cat and who, who do you think is the mouse in that scenario? Yeah, I think you probably know <laughs> what the answer is going to be, <laughs> that it really, it really depends. Like as, as fraud fighters, you would you wish you're always the, the cat chasing the mouse, but sometimes it's really indeed the other way around uh, where you have to catch up. That, if that's the case, I would hope we always get learnings out of incidents or breaches or anything that happens, but definitely it's uh, an arms race game for sure. Stefania, thank you so much for your time. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. At Seon, our whole startup is 100% focused on helping you, the hardworking fraud manager, fight fraud with tools that are intuitive and fully complement your existing risk tech stack. Check out our website where you can get started on a free trial and be up and running in 30 seconds or less.